You're listening to The Cutting Edge, presented by Hilleberg the Tentmaker. This is Petra Hilleberg, President and CEO of Hilleberg the Tentmaker. For over 45 years, we have specialized exclusively in building strong, lightweight tents and in never compromising on quality of materials or construction. From the very beginning, we have been family-owned and family-run. Our tents have become the go-to choice for discerning outdoor adventurers all over the world, and especially for those who travel in challenging terrain and conditions and who demand utter reliability from their equipment. Conceived and developed in northern Sweden, our tents are made in Europe, built to last, and offer the ideal balance of high strength, low weight, ease of use, and remarkable comfort. In alpine climbing, you often make compromises. Do you take rock shoes or do you save weight and climb the rock pitches and boots? Carry a sleeping bag or shiver with a friend? One place you don't have to compromise is your cams. Black Diamond C4 cams have been redesigned for 2019 and the new C4 is 10% lighter than before, but with the same burly construction and proven holding power. So don't leave your toothbrush behind. You can have clean teeth and still pack all the Black Diamond C4s you need. Hello, this is Dougal McDonald, editor of the American Alpine Journal, the AAJ. Our guest on this episode of The Cutting Edge is Bob C. Zangro from Austria, a 31-year-old who is one of the most accomplished all-around rock climbers in the world. She started climbing at age 14, and early on she focused on bouldering and did some of the hardest female ascents of the time. After herniating a disc in 2009, she switched to rope climbing and rapidly expanded her horizons. She was the first woman to complete the so-called Alpine Trilogy of long, often run-out 514 test pieces in Central Europe, and in June she completed her fourth LCAP free climb. Only Hazel Finley from Great Britain has done as many. Bobsy has done the first female free ascents of Zodiac and El Nino, both 513 plus, and in December 2017, she and her partner, Jacopo Larcher, did the second ever ascent of Magic Mushroom, said to be the second most difficult free route on El Capitan. In June this year, she free climbed Premier with Jacopo. This wasn't Bobsy's most difficult El Cap free route, and it wasn't the first female ascent. Hazel Finley did that. But it exemplified the style she prefers ground up ascents of extremely difficult big walls. Chris Kalman caught up with Bobsy at her home in Austria shortly after she returned from a climbing trip to South Africa. Hey, I'm here with Babsy Zang- Zangirl. How do you pronounce your last name? Is it Zangirl? Yeah, it's, it's really hard. It's Zangal. <laughs> Zangal. Okay. Well, I'm here with Babsy. Um, Babsy, not long ago, freed the premier route on El Cap, which is 13C or 13D. Yeah, it's in between, I think. Some people say C, the others say D. Not sure. <laughs> so this was your fourth free ascent on El Cap, correct? Yeah, that's right. You've definitely been one of the top climbers on El Cap in the past few years. So um, we're really excited to talk to you about your climb today and uh, particularly the style in which you did it. Um, I'm not sure how how aware most of the audience will be, but 
you went with uh, your partner, Jacopo Larcher. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And you guys just sort of, you didn't do the typical thing people are doing these days where you hike to the top and you fix ropes and you mini traction the route. You guys just started the bottom, packed some food for, what was it, seven days? Seven days, yeah. I really enjoy it to go ground up. For me, it's like, I think the best way how to try a route. It's also a great adventure if you don't know uh, what awaits you in the route. So um, also on the other El Cap route, we went ground up first. And for me, it's, it's super exciting if there is a big question mark in front of a route and you don't know if it works out or not. So I think you have a greater adventure to try it ground up. What's your personal take? Do you think one style is actually uh, not better than the other, but quite a bit easier? Yeah, I think it takes less time. So when you know that the hard pitches are at the end of the route, it's for sure easier to wrap in and try the pitches on top rope. Because, you know, when you lead and you have those falls and you are kind of on sighting and you don't know where the holes are. So I had it a few times for example, in Raytheon, it's uh, like a multi-pitch area near my home. There, it's um, there are bolted routes and with long runouts, and we always start a ground up there. And I remember I had to turn around on the first pitch a few times, go back home, rest for two or three days, come back, and try again. And it it took me way longer because I didn't know how it how it works between the poles. And when you would wrap in, it's for sure uh, you can do it faster because it's easier to work around in top rope. Right. Yeah, it's almost something of a novelty, isn't it? That you can even walk to the top in the first place. Um, that's certainly not the case on like, you know, you couldn't do that on Cerro Torre or I don't think in a lot of the, you know, in the Dolomites or something. <laughs> Yeah, and I think this is this is the key because when you try on site and when you just go for it and try your best, it's really good for your mindset, for uh, the mental game, that you get more used to long runouts. You have to fall, you fall again and again, and this uh, right. makes you feel better on the route. And yeah, it's I think it's the logical way to to go from the ground to the top first. Sure. And yeah, I, for example, you could also use a clip stick on those alpine routes, <laughs> but this is not what the people did in the past. And I think it's not not a really cool trend to bring the clip stick on the alpine climbs. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of that. I mean, on on some of those alpine climbs, uh, like in the Radicon, you would need a pretty long stick clip. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And when, when <laughs> Beat Kamalanda would see you, then maybe he would kill you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. yeah. Well, now, the ethics, um, I think it depends on the place. But uh, I think on El Cap, a lot of people wrap in and it's okay. But sure. if you would do this, like in the Dolomites or in Raticon, like, I think the... The first ascensionists, they are not really happy to see people uh, doing that in a different style, you know. Uh-huh. Is, uh, 
in certain places places a little uh, more strict, I think. Well, that's really interesting. <laughs> So, uh, where are you, are you saying that us Americans are a bunch of softies? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, I don't know. I, I understand every way. I, I think it's just important to say how you have done a route. Sure. So for me, it would be totally okay to wrap in it. I don't say that going round up is the only right way to do a route. It's just, I think everybody sure. has to say how, how, uh, the approach was to, climb route sure sure well let's let's talk a little bit about the route itself because you know what i've read about it and from your set and um just kind of reading those reports is it sounds like okay there's two hard pitches they're near the top uh there's stemming and laybacking but an l cap route's never just two pitches i mean there's so much more that goes into it so can you kind of walk me through the the you know, your seven days on the wall and talk to me about some of the hard parts or some of the, you know, things that stick out in memory? Yeah. Um, yeah, first you climbed the, the Mir Blast. The Mir Blast was, um, we knew it before because it's the same, the same pitches like on Magic Mushroom. The first, I think, five, four or five pitches are the same. So we already knew those pitches and then it splits and goes left where magic mushroom goes straight up and then you have the first uh, i think 13p pitch it's a traverse it's a bouldery sequence it's more uh, like european style so it's not crack climbing and no corner so it's really powerful on on face creams and after you have some really really cool easier pitches to get uh, to the mammoth terraces, where what are those we had pitches like are they like crack climbing or more face climbing? It's crack climbing, but mostly layback. Yes, so oh, you don't okay. really have to jam. It's mostly layback, and yeah, then you get to the mammoth mammoth ledges, and there we had our first camp. Okay. And that's how many uh, pitches up? That's like... Well, how many pitches? 11, 10, I think. 11. 10 or 11. Gotcha. Yeah. You've got one uh, prior 13 pitch uh, in the bag at that point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's true. And yeah, the first day was really, really hard because we had such a heavy haul back and it was, was impossible to haul it alone. So we had to haul it uh, together. And... Yeah, we also uh, did a mistake, so uh, I <laughs> removed the hall bag, and the hall bag was like uh, falling around the corner and hit the wall oh. pretty hard. And then we had a little hole in the hall bag, and the first gallon of water was already leaking oh, on no. the, I think, on pitch five. Uh oh. Yeah, but it was we just lo lost, I think two liters of water and it was still okay and after we fixed that problem yeah and we reached the day goal to get to the mammoth mammoth ledges and the second day um there we climbed up to the gray ledges and there uh, there was like a really long bumpy um layback pitch it was, uh, I think, 
around 7C. Like 12D? Uh, yeah, yeah right? it's 12D, right. And the end of the pitch was a, a chimney. And easy grade, it's 5.9 or so, but I struggled a lot. I had to fight in this chimney. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was so hard. It's like this climbing is the hardest. It was a bit of suffering to get through this sequence. And then we reached the bottom of the silverfish corner. This was a, uh, another crux uh, pitch yeah. of the route. That one is, I think, 8A. It's okay. uh, 13B. And uh, this was a layback corner, a really bumpy, long layback corner. So we had to work on this pitch. Um, and both of us did it uh, second go. And so after it was a really long trip. Sorry. When you say that you guys both did a second go, are you swapping leads on it? Yeah, we always try to climb the harder pitches both on lead. So we went up, worked the pitch one time, and then uh, um, we did it. So that's pretty a pretty time-consuming way to climb. That's cool. Yeah, it is, but um, it was too hard for us to climb it on-site anyway, sure. and then you fall. And it's, I think somehow it's easier to climb it on lead compared to uh, removing the, right. the gear, you know. Right. It can be very easier to lead it. And also for the, for the mindset, Right. I'm just a little more motivated on lead comparing to to climbing on top rot. For sure. So, And I don't know about like laybacking, but when you're climbing a straight in splitter on top rope, the rope's always like where you want to put your hands. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It makes it quite that's a bit true. more difficult. Yeah, and after it was a really long traverse, bouldery, it was a dyno move at the start, and then it was really decky uh, slab climbing. Okay. I fell on that one. And it was really hard to get back to the last belay because it was like, a, I think, 25-meter traverse. Mm, so right. you have to pull back to get to the to the belay again. And then, yeah, I did this on the second try, and Jacopo followed and uh, flashed it. Oh, nice. Uh, going, going second. And then there were some tricky, easier pitches. One really easy pitches, and then we got into this chimney. It was another chimney. This <laughs> chimney was hard. It was graded, I think, 5-11. Jacopo had a fall on this uh-huh. one. And, and I almost fell. I, I um, went second. Okay. So it was a big fight. It's, it's still really, really hard for both of us to climb those white cracks those uh chimneys yeah it's not easy don't worry it's hard for most of us <laughs> yeah it is and then yeah you, you can't really fall it feels mm-hmm. sometimes but somehow uh it's it's just for me it it's not super enjoyable it's more suffering yeah. this kind of climb sure <laughs> maybe maybe if you're better in this style then you can enjoy it more but so there aren't you don't get like any squeeze chimneys in the Roticon. <laughs> there is not a single crack in the in the Roticon, just cribs. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, the 
third day we climbed i think about 10 pitches or or so and then we reached the crux pitch and we were super tired and had to take a rest on day four um, before we tried the the crux pitch so what does that entail did you take just a full rest day sitting on a portal ledge yeah that's it sitting on the portal ledge eating and sleeping (laughs) all day long doing nothing hanging out (laughs) it's a real rest day better than on the ground on days like that do you really enjoy that or do you find yourself getting bored and kind of fidgety uh, when it's just a day, it's not really boring because we were super tired and we really needed a rest day. So somehow I really enjoy it because when I'm uh, making a rest day on the ground or at home, I have I have uh, something to do and it can be really stressful doing some work or something else. And on the wall... Uh, there is nothing to do and you have to make a real rest day. Right. And yeah, somehow it's fun to hang up there and enjoy the view and right. drinking coffees. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. And so then you had these two crux pitches um, ahead of you. Uh, and what, what was the order on those? Is the first one kind of that layback pitch or is that the second one? The, the crux pitch is the corner, the 90-degree corner. It's the best pitch of the whole climb. Mostly stemming and you have no face holds. And it's really hard to see like foot holds, so it's mostly smearing. And uh, it's really hard to figuring out the beta. So you, we, we couldn't find a perfect beta for, for this climb. It was more like going fast and hope that you not slip. and. Yeah, because you're doing the same move uh, again and again. And uh, we really had to be fast because it was so bumpy for the legs. Right. And it was like about, I think, 20, 25 meters of a corner. And the end of the pitch was a hard layback. Okay. Um, 15, 15 meters of laybacking to get to the relay. And the pitch was, I think, 40 meters long. Okay. And uh, the problem was there was nothing in the pitch, so it was completely clean. And uh, the crack in the corner is uh, super uh, thin, so uh, you can't really place any gear at the first five meters. Mm. And um, so first, Jacopo went up and climbed it eight first. Mm. And... uh, he left some nuts okay. on the first part of the of the corner, and we climbed it uh, half of the route pre-placed with pre-placed gear, and the other half uh, with uh, placing gear. And so, what I think it could of... be possible to climb it without pre-placed gear, mm-hmm. but it's for sure super scary and really really hard to place anything there. So how did it go for both of you guys on that? Did it take a while to send it or was it, did it go pretty quickly? Um, first, I uh, climbed up on top rope and checked out the moves. And I worked it for maybe an hour or so. And 
I could do it. It was I was really lucky. I could do it on the second try. Wow. And yeah, it was like you can slip everywhere, so you really need a, a bit of luck there, right, especially right. in the corner. And uh, Jacopo slipped, uh, slipped a lot of times. And for him, it was really frustrating because he got over the hard sequence. And on his best try, he broke a, um, a smeary foothold oh, and man. fell again. And then he had uh, on both hands blisters uh-huh. and uh, they open. So it was like bleeding a lot oh, and it no. got super slippery on his hands and then it got harder and harder. And, right. and yeah, and he also got really tired. Oh, that's too bad. So did he eventually just end up supporting you on the rest of the route? Yeah, we tried it first in the morning and then he rested during the day and he tried it uh, in the evening again. Hmm. Um, in the evening, he uh, yeah, he had uh, like really bad skin problems and then he tried in the morning again. Right. And then, yeah, he was too tired and we had we ran out of time and so he decided to support me the rest of the route and we kept on going after gotcha so i have a like kind of a quick technical question um what kind of shoes did you wear did you have just one pair of shoes because you know like what's good for the 513 crimp traverse and what's good for 513 plus stemming in a corner and what's good for squeeze chimneys like usually it's not one just one pair of shoes but what what was your solution for that? Yeah, I mostly used the squamas, the Las Portivas squamas, on most of the climbs I have climbed uh-huh. on El Cap, huh. uh, and on all styles except on jamming cracks where you have to put your feet into the crack. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just too painful to wear tight shoes. Right. But on all the other climbs, like on all the chimneys and uh, laybacks. I wore really tight squamas. Gotcha, gotcha. For me, the best shoe for this kind of climbing, where you need a lot of friction, is uh, to have a soft shoe with a really sticky rubber. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. So what what are those next like five or six pitches like getting up to the final crux pitch? He, the pitch after the crack pitch was a really long traverse pitch with a double dyno, which was crazy. It's like it looked so far away, but somehow it's uh, it's possible also for for shorter people. So uh-huh. it was really fun to climb that one, and it was also a really tacky, crimpy, bouldery style, and I had to work this pitch. Uh, I had to work this pitch a lot before I could send it. It was quite hard. It was, uh, I think, graded 13A or B. And What is the double dyno like? Is that like two dynos in a row? Or you mean you have like all points off, like both hands dynoing? Both hands dynoing. Gotcha. So you have a, a good hold uh-huh. and uh, you jump. To, to a good hold uh-huh. and uh, it's just easier to hold to get it with both hands that's cool is the gear like right in your face when you do that move or is it yeah are you taking mm-hmm. oh, okay 
So you're not yeah, taking yeah, a huge is... fall if you miss it. Otherwise, it would be super scary. Uh -huh. <laughs> and it's bolted. This pitch is bolted, okay. so it's, okay. it's not really scary. Gotcha. Okay. And after, there was a, I think, 12A or B pitch with a really long move. And first, I couldn't figure out how, how to do it. I didn't find a solution. And it was at the end, it was also double dino. <laughs> Hazel told me before that she found uh, another way to do it, to climb straight up. She found some really small creams and climbed up straight to a ledge and then climbed down to the pillay. I oh. tried this, but this felt also uh, hard and I broke a foothold. And um, yeah, then I found out uh, that's, that it is possible to jump and that that worked. But it felt super, super hard for 12A or B. I think that's one of the things that when you're, when like you read a 500 word story about, you know, Babsy's, Babsy freed the premier, like you only hear about two pitches, right? But uh, man, an El Cap route is so long and you no, can... No, no, it's often like that. It's on El Cap, you never really, uh, never really know. Sometimes the easier pitches are harder than the crux pitches. It was also on Magic Mushroom. We were so happy that we reached this. It was like graded, I think, 5.11. And we were like, yeah, now <laughs> we have one easy pitch to climb. And then we had to work the pitch for an hour. So what what did you have left between that 5.12 pitch and then that last crux pitch? Anything really notable? Yeah, another double dino. <laughs> really? There was, yeah, but uh, also Hazel told me about this pitch. It's like um, first you climb up a pillar, really easy, and then you have a big chuck, and there is nothing in between, and uh, uh, you jump into a big chuck, <laughs> and it's not, it's not, it's not a hard dino. It's an easy dino, but you have to jump. Gotcha. And. Um, it's a really cool pitch. This was an amazing pitch. And after there was the worst pitch of the whole climb, it's a really long, um, grassy, dirty chimney pitch, hmm. about 50 meters long and with a lot of rope drag. And, and this was not so much fun. And then <laughs> you reach another corner system first, you have an easier pitch, and you get to a ledge uh, where the last crux pitch is. Gotcha. It's the last uh, hard layback pitch before the top. And did you guys mm -hmm. make a camp there? And we slept there. Yeah, yeah, we slept. We slept right at the bottom of this pitch, and uh, yeah, and in the morning, we always tried to start climbing really early because it was. Uh, pretty late it, it was uh, end of june so it was already uh, super hot on el cap especially in the sun so we tried to get up at three in the morning wow and uh, climb with headlamp and yeah during the day we have had to rest most of the time because it was just too hot man that's motivation seven days in a row getting up at 3 a.m that's good not not seven days in a row. We had one day where it was cloudy and windy. Ah. It was the uh, it was the third day, and there we climbed from 
from four in the morning until nine or so in the evening. Oh yeah, well that's that's much better. Four in the morning till nine in the evening. Yeah, I know. But the seven days it sounds super super long, but somehow yeah. uh, it wasn't as long. So on the second day we were thinking uh, we were really not sure if we can make it. Uh-huh. And after the third day where we climbed a lot. We were pretty sure now it's more chill because we knew we had two days for the cracks, right. which, which made it uh, like more relaxed for us. Cool. Well, so how did that last crux pitch go? Did that give you guys much, or did it give you much trouble, or did you kind of do it in two tries like the the other one? It was the same. First, we worked it both of us. Uh, a couple. Uh, I went first and I worked it for an hour or so and I did it second go and then uh, Jacopo um, uh, went second and he flashed it. Wow. And so I guess his hands were sort of healed up by then, huh? No, it's not. It, the, the blisters were on his on the palms and not on the fingertips. Right. And the last hard pitch was like a fingertip uh, layback. Ah, okay. So, he had really good skin on his <laughs> Perfect. I mean, it sounds it sounds hard, you know, the way you describe it. Okay, it took you guys seven days and, uh, you know, you're putting in a lot of work and some of the pitches that sounded easier were actually harder than they sounded. But still, I mean, it, you kind of cruised the thing, you know, like most of the hard pitches you did in like a couple of tries, I think, the longest it took you on a pitch from your description is like maybe an hour or two to work it. So, I mean, compare that to something like the Dawn wall. Do you think that if you put in the amount of time on that, that like Tommy Caldwell and Kevin Jorgensen did, you think you could climb that thing? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's too hard. I, I never tried it, but it looks so hard. It's like, I think it's a completely other level. When you think about Tommy, he did magic mushroom in a single day, which is mm. unbelievable mm-hmm. hard to imagine because matching mushroom was so much harder compared to the premier wall. Right. And on this climb, you have like 15 pitches harder than a day. Uh-huh. And imagine to climb this in a single day. This yeah. is for me like such, such a big thing. And yeah, the the dawn wall I think is is another another level. Sure, sure. <laughs> compared to all the other uh, routes on Elkap. Yeah. But yeah, I would curious to to try it one time to see how how it is. But sure. but I don't think that I could get far. <laughs> so, <laughs> first pitch done, maybe. <laughs> so what what else? really piques your interest on on El Cap. I know that you guys had initially wanted to try the nose, but uh, what was it? The great roof was seeping and like full of moss or something? Yeah, it was unbelievable. It was when we arrived, it was snowing at the mid of uh-huh. May this spring and uh, the great roof stayed mossy and wet until the end of June. And I don't know, I think this spring it was impossible to free climb the nose. I hope we can go back maybe this fall, we will see. Uh, another route which would be really uh, cool to try would be El Corazon. Uh-huh. 
I saw some pictures about the beaches and it looks super beautiful. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, and there are also some white cracks on on this climb. And I never climbed Freerider. I never climbed uh, Golden Gate mm. because I were, we were always too scared to climb the monster. <laughs> right. And yeah, but I would be super motivated yeah. uh, to try one of these routes and to climb the monster. Sure. Sometime, maybe. What about outside of the valley? Because, I mean, you're really one of the, the most well-rounded climbers in the world, it seems, right now. Um, you know, you're doing hard sport routes, hard trad climbs, hard alpine climbs. Are there any big goals you have outside of Yosemite that you're really excited about? Yeah, I'm really excited to climb more in the Dolomites and also on the Eiger. Would be really cool to try um, one of those big walls in a day, like the Eiger in a day, would be really, really cool. Or I never have been to Chamonix, I never have been to Patagonia. Also, like in the future, um, one big goal would be to put up a new route somewhere. The last 10 years, most of the time, I, I repeated different uh, multi pitch climbs and sport climbs. And I never really put up put up my own route, so for sure in the future it would be a big goal um, to find a cool rock. And for sure the best would be a, a big wall somewhere where I, we could put up a new route and to make our own thing. That would be, um, yeah, a really cool thing to do. We've put a few photos from Premure on the Cutting Edge website, and there you can also watch a short video of Bobsy and Jacopo free climbing magic mushroom. Search Cutting Edge Podcast to find our page. Thanks to Hilleberg the Tent Maker for making the Cutting Edge possible. If you haven't seen Hilleberg's amazing tent catalog, it's packed with tech tips and even fabric samples, inviting you to try, just try, tearing their unique Curlon fabric. You can order a copy at hilleberg.com. Thanks also to Black Diamond Equipment, the AHA's presenting sponsor for 2019, for supporting this episode. Until next time, this is Dougal McDonald, editor of the AHA, wishing you happy climbs. <laughs>